Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Go look at yourself in the mirror and point to yourself and say, God loves me. That's great because I love me too. Live in the freedom that God loves you unconditionally. And he loves you unconditionally. God's love for you is unconditional. Preaching that God loves you unconditionally is the wrong message. God has a good will towards everybody, believers and non-believers. But there is another love reserved only for those who embrace the gospel and put their trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, isn't that clever? This is Wretched Radio. The curtain has closed on the Southern Baptist Convention in Anaheim, California, and yet the drama continues. Why? Because there were certain actors at the Southern Baptist Convention play that have delivered new lines that are causing some people to scratch their heads and wonder, huh, do they have a case that they can make for the ordination of women in ministry. In my estimation, this is the big issue. The other issues that we thought would be broiling just didn't really, broiling or broiling, that were cooking, we just didn't see anything come about CRT, whether or not the denomination is going to be abolitionist or incrementalist regarding the life issue, financial accountability for NAM. None of those issues were really brought into the spotlight as much as the issue of role of women. Okay, the sex abuse stuff, that got a lot of attention, but the role of women was vying for lead actor when Rick Warren stepped up to the microphone to deliver what he called a love letter to the Southern Baptist Convention and told the audience The messengers gathered, hey, let's quit arguing over secondary issues, one of which, in his opinion, is the ordination of women in ministry. Why? Because a year or so ago, he ordained three females as pastors at Saddleback Church. The committee that determines whether you get to stay in the convention or not I just wasn't able to come up with any sort of a decision, tried to kick the can down the street. They tried to offer a new argument that is now being voiced by some in Southern Baptist circles, new ways of presenting and making the case that for 2000 years, give or take, we've basically had the ordination of women issue wrong. Incidentally, while this is not the primary defense against the argument of women being pastors and ordained in churches, nevertheless, tradition does teach us something. How could it be that for 2,000 years, everybody had this thing wrong until the feminist movement began in the late 19th century? Nevertheless, the arguments that are being forwarded are a bit new. I have not been able to find them in other denominations that have taken the liberal road and used the role of women as the off-ramp. Lutherans began their slip sliding away when they determined that women should be pastors. Same thing is true with Episcopalians and Methodists and Presbyterians. It's the role of women issue that kicked off the debate that is really the debate about the role of women. 
You see, I don't think it's so much about specifically the role of women. I think what we're dealing with here is a view of the Bible issue. We're dealing with a hermeneutics issue. But the two arguments, three, if you will, that were forwarded out of the Southern Baptist Convention are different than those of the Episcopalians. They started, the Episcopalians, late 19th century, they decided to sanction women deaconesses. Then there was a little bit of movement in the 20s and the 40s. It was 1974 in Philadelphia, 11 women marched into an Episcopalian church where they were ordained as women, 76 the councils got together, the convention took place, and it was sanctioned that women can be priests in the Episcopalian, which is a division of Anglicanism, 1976. And since that time, we have seen women not only ordained as priests, but leading the entire denomination and ordained as bishops. How did it start with them? They used Galatians 3.28. They said, look, what Paul did there, He said, there's no distinction between men and women. Therefore, with that knowledge in mind, we can apply it to the office of pastor. There's no distinction. It is a hideous hermeneutic. But I haven't heard out of any of the mainline Protestant denominations the arguments from the SBC. Freel, are you going to get to them ever? Number one, title. There can be different types of pastors. And as long as a woman isn't the lead pastor, then it's okay for her to be a pastor. That's a bit of a new argument. The second argument that I heard was that there is a distinction between the office of pastor and the gift of pastoring. You see, Paul in Ephesians 4, maybe 1 Corinthians 14 too, he lists among the spiritual gifts available to the body that there are some who are preachers, some who are teachers, and those two are kind of linked together, but not entirely. Therefore, it is okay for a woman to be a preacher and teacher too, because it's in the list of spiritual gifts. Therefore, concluded Rick Warren, and it looked like the credentials committee, this is a secondary issue. This is just not something that we should be arguing about pleaded Rick Warren. This is not an essential cardinal doctrine. Let's start unpacking these new arguments for the ordination of women in the church right there. Is this a secondary issue? The answer is, don't panic on me, but the the answer is, yes, it is a secondary issue. And you immediately go, well, that means then that some can do it and others can't. Not so fast. There's more to the story. Secondary issues don't necessarily mean that we can still have unity. We can look at a secondary issue and make some conclusions about that particular belief that would cause us to say, no, the way that they deal with the Bible, the way that they deal with clear teachings and scriptures is so aberrant that we cannot have fellowship. And once again, it it then becomes a, a Bible issue. Is the Bible clear? Can we get some of these things? Well, liberal folks would say it is just a secondary issue because it is not about the the Christological theology that must be possessed for somebody to be orthodox, Trinitarian theology, soteriology, the virgin birth. Those are cardinal doctrines. This is just the role of women in the church. It's a secondary issue. Just let's let girls be girls and do what they want to do because it's a secondary issue. 
this is a tricky one to deal with, and it requires a little bit of unpacking. So let's do that. Sometimes a secondary issue can be of a nature that while it is not indeed a cardinal doctrine, it reveals that the person who possesses that view has a twofold issue. Number one, because the teaching in Scripture could not be more clear that Paul, 1 Timothy 2, does not allow a woman to preach and have authority over men. That is just so definitive that their inability to see what is plain causes us to say, you don't know how to handle the Bible, or you have such a low view of the Bible, or you are playing such hermeneutical gymnastics with the Bible that this suddenly becomes an issue that we consider separation. Can you say it's heresy? No, but you could say it is a really low view of the Bible issue. And second, you could also say this is a this is somebody who is willing to overlook the clear teaching of the Bible and let a congregation live in sin. Because if it is true that Paul said, and he did, I do not permit a woman to preach or have authority over men. If, if that's clear, if somebody's violating that by ordaining women, then they are sinning. That woman is sinning, the ordaining body is sinning, and the congregation is sinning because it's living in sin. So this might be something that you could offer to perhaps some Southern Baptists who are purpose-driven churches and going, huh, well, if Rick Warren did it, I guess we can do it too. Ask them to deal with 1 Timothy 2 and encourage them to not be living in clear violation of a clear teaching of Scripture. This, in the, this illustration may be helpful. If a congregation held the view that there are some Bible verses that indicate that adultery is okay, what would you think about that church? You'd go, well, something's wrong here. Jesus listed adultery. But a, a, a moderate or liberal would argue, yes, he did warn against adultery, but he was actually speaking to men in that context, not women. Therefore, women can commit adultery. You'd go, hold the phone, Henrietta. First of all, your hermeneutic is horrific. Second of all, you are allowing and endorsing sin. That is a major problem with people like Rick Warren who are ordaining women as ministers. That church is in danger. That church is living in sin. That church also has such a low view of the Bible and such a poor ability to read what is plain and possessing a willingness to take the Bible and twist it into pretzel knots saying, well, it's just a secondary issue because there's a distinction between the office and the gifting. And as long as there's a different title, it's okay. Well, it's not. And we will try to make that case next on Wretched Radio. Let's visit a preborn life center in action. Look at that baby. Abortion pill reversal actually works. That's a beating heart. Ooh, look how small it is. Tell me 
That doesn't encourage you to consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. $28 purchases a free ultrasound for a mommy who will choose life. It is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. Are we heading toward a dystopian society? Who decides what is good and evil? Who decides what truth is? Are there such things as fate or free will? Morals, are we born with those? Or does the culture we live in inform them? Those are all really good questions and topics that we tackle daily on Wretched Radio and TV. Our goal has always been to preach the gospel, equip others to preach the gospel, and strengthen the local church. And we're only able to do that with the help of our gospel partners. If you are a Wretched Gospel partner, Thank you so much for your support, which has allowed us to create compelling quality productions that catch the eye of unbelievers, but aren't so cringy they make believers blush. And if you aren't currently, would you pray about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Help us continue to reach millions all over the world with the gospel. Just visit wretched.org slash donate, or you can also just as easily text the word wretched to the number 44321. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MediShare, affordable biblical health sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Lexicon. There are many words to help us understand the nature of the Bible. Words like sensus literalis. The Bible is to be read in the literal sense, the way the author and original audience would have understood it. There is no code, no secret meaning to be uncovered. The Bible is plainly written so that all people can know God through its pages. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Do the new arguments hold? This is Wretched Radio, the Southern Baptist Convention. They closed up the conference in Anaheim, California, but the ripple effect, it's its pretty big today. A lot of churches trying to figure out what to do with the Southern Baptist Convention. If you are interested, should there be a long shot that you're interested in my take on what I think Southern Baptist Convention should consider if they're pondering departing as a member of the SBC, I encourage pastors to stop focusing on the SBC. It's not in their job description to fix a denomination. The denomination, the convention, 
it exists to serve churches. And if the church has decided uh, that that isn't taking place, it's not their job to fix it. Their job is to focus on the local church. And so, dear pastor, I hope that this will help you to frame the conversation if you're having this chat with your church. What is best for this body? What is best for this local assembling of the saints? Let's make that decision as opposed to trying to prognosticate the position of the SBC on a myriad of issues. It, it, it's, it's, um, it's not a local church, the SBC. I, I know. It is a convention of local churches, but those local churches are autonomous. And I believe a pastor does well to focus on the good of his people as opposed to how do I fix that thing? Energies are needed there. The care of those people are taken care of. And as I also stated in that video, there are going to be some who go, yeah, we can stay. Others who are going to say, no, we got to go. We got to be like the clash. They got to go now. They will make different decisions, but I think it should be predicated on what is best for the local church where they serve. Having taken that digression, let's consider what I believe to be the bellwether issue of the Southern Baptist Convention and what I appear to be some new arguments for the ordination of women. One, it's a secondary issue because there are different types of pastors. There are different titles. And as long as a woman doesn't have the title of lead pastor, well, then it's okay. She can be a youth pastor. She can be the women's pastor. She can be the teaching pastor, as is the successors of Rick Warren at Saddleback Church. It's a husband and wife. They both pastor. They are his replacement. Give it a different title besides lead pastor and you're good to go. Does that argument hold? The answer is absolutely not. Why? Because we don't have an inkling from the Bible that Paul made some sort of category distinctions about what is lead and what isn't. Now, we need to understand how people get to that conclusion. They will say because there is a difference in gifting and a difference in the office, which is the second argument that is being forwarded from the SBC, from some, there's a distinction. Therefore, if you give a woman a different title, put an adjective in front of the title pastor, she is not usurping that office. Hmm. Is that true? Now, it's pretty clever, I grant you, but it's not the way to handle the Bible. How do we deal with Ephesians 4 saying that there's a, there's a spiritual gift of preaching? Well, we read it at face value and say Paul meant to say that there is a gift of preaching. But that's all he said. It's listed in a laundry list of spiritual gifts. There's no unpacking or no unfolding. And so people who are attempting to bring ordination of women into the church would say, Therefore, we're not violating what is clear in 1 Timothy 2, that Paul does not permit a woman to teach, to preach, or to have authority over men. As long as, as, long as she's not doing that, right, right there, well, as long as she doesn't have authority, and they kind of define what that means too, then it's okay for her to be a teaching pastor. Well, here's the problem with that. There is a connection between preaching and teaching. And when somebody is preaching and teaching, they are exercising authority. That's ex 
In fact, you don't even have to call yourself a pastor. If a woman stepped into the pulpit, opened up the Bible, and started preaching, she is exercising authority because that is what preaching is. It is, it is an authoritative presentation and an authoritative office. Therefore, we see the spiritual gifts in Ephesians 4. We see 1 Timothy 2. They suggest, well, if we just slip an adjective in front of pastor, we're good to go. The problem with that argument is you just don't see that anywhere in the Bible. You would think, we know how contentious this issue is. Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, you would think that he'd bring some clarity and say, well, let me just be clear. All right, sir, you can be the lead pastor, but other women can be pastors of different branches. No, he didn't do that. Instead, he said there is an office. And if you do that activity, you are usurping that role. Now, furthermore, we need to take a look at some other Bible verses. 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 would do the trick. Paul gives the credentials that a person must possess to hold the office of pastor. And it is written specifically, directly, emphatically, and clearly for males. And you can't override that. You, you can't say, well, okay, it says it there, but because Ephesians lists the gift of preaching, therefore, it doesn't matter what he said there. Yes, it does, because 1 Timothy 3 brings clarity to Ephesians 4, which lists preaching as a spiritual gift. Yes, it's a spiritual gift in the body that some possess. Paul, in another section of Scripture, this is the analogy of Scripture at work. He let Scripture interpret Scripture. He then, in a different book, unpacks that office of preaching, and he defines it for males. You harmonize the two, and you come up with a historic position that men only are to occupy that particular office. That is why the presentation that is being put forward is a Bible issue. How do we handle this book? They're using it in a way to, it sounds kind of, yeah, 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 I see what you're doing there. I, I'm not sure this illustration is helpful, but let's just say I was credentialed as a tall person doctor. Not, a, not as a doctor. No, 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 no. That, that, that's the guy who runs the clinic. I'm just a tall person doctor, and I just see tall person patients. What do I do with them? Well, everything a doctor does, but I'm, I'm, I, I don't run the office. You'd go, hold it. You're, you're, you're a little bit confused here. You can't just slap an adjective, perform the function, and say it's something other. And that's exactly what they are doing. Which is why this issue, we need to, and I suspect we will, we're going to get better and better. As you watch assaults on the church, any church, there, there's like this. Some people have been spending some time noodling a new liberal assault, and they can be somewhat clever. And you look at it and go, well, that kind of makes sense, which incidentally, that was the ma major argument that the Episcopalians used in the 20th century to ordain women had very little do, to do with Bible. They tried Galatians 3.28, but mostly they argued from logic and reason. Well, we're seeing women as senators. They can't be pastors. Well, that seems to make that they should. Hey, women, 
They have gifts. Yeah, no kidding. So wouldn't it just be great if we made them happy? Don't you want women to feel fulfilled? Yeah, Mott and Bailey. So let's just let women be pastors. Furthermore, it's going to help the local body because she brings something unique to the office, which I wouldn't argue women do bring something unique. Hence, God's binary structure for civilization. Furthermore, they argued from logic and reason. This is a relevant issue. We are looking archaic and we are not going to attract people. That was the thrust of their argument. And the conservative folks went, all right, let me see your arguments. All right, we're going to marshal a response to this. Well, this is the day after these arguments have been made public. I suspect over the next weeks and months, and it'll take a little time, but within a year, you are going to have an articulate rebuttal to these arguments that there's a distinction between office and gifting. You just slap a different title on it, and it's not usurping authority from men. Therefore, it is a secondary issue. Expect to see a better, more well-articulated defense of the traditional position and what is clear in the Bible And by the way, it's not to the detriment of women, because if this is the way that God has defined the role in the office, it must be what is best for both male and female. Watch for the arguments. You're going to have to study them. You need to know what the new case for ordaining women is, and then start to articulate your position, because I can almost assure you Because of Rick Warren, and especially if the SBC who has decided, well, we'll look into it a little further, boing, I don't know how confusing this issue is. If the SBC passes and says, this is rightly a secondary issue, therefore there's no reason for division, there's no reason for leaving, we can all have unity, which was the battle cry of the 2022 convention, um, it's going to make its way into your church. Guaranteed. Be ready. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. The U.S. Department of State recently released the 2021 report on international religious freedom. The report identifies various governments and societies that continue violations against religious freedom. And I find this rather amusing. Seriously, I do. A department of the same U.S. government that is working tirelessly to end any Christian religious freedom in America. They're still spending money on creating reports on other countries who do the same thing they are. I wonder if they listed themselves in the report. That's an honest question. Though we've mentioned it previously, Louisiana's ban on transgender athletes and female sports is now official, making it the 18th state to pass such a law. But what's unique here is the governor of Louisiana failed to sign or veto the bill once it hit his desk. He claims that he opposed the bill, and that's likely true because he's a full-fledged Democrat, but he also fully expected it to be overruled by lawmakers. It wasn't, and now it's officially on the books in Louisiana. I guess if you're going to play poker in politics, you need to be good at it. So think about this. If two people are continuously fighting over possession of something, chances are one person is the rightful owner and the other wants whatever it is for a specific purpose. That's probably about as clear as mud, but a recent study by UCLA's Williams Institute found that out of the 1.6 million Americans over the age of 13 who identify as transgender, 43% are made up of teenagers and young adults. Why do you think we're seeing the continuous push for more LGBT ideology in public schools and in children's spaces? It's because there's a war 
for your child's mind. It's clearly evident by the numbers found in this study that identifying as transgender is trendy now. Parents, homeschool's not a bad idea for those who can make it work. And one politician who has been fighting to protect children, that's Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Recently, the governor said that he was weighing ordering Florida Child Protective Services to investigate parents who take their kids to drag shows. That's actually something that should be acted by every state in this country. I mean, our leaders want to codify the ability to murder children. How about we codify actually protecting them? A court in Pakistan has upheld the death sentence for two Christian brothers charged with posting blasphemous content on a blog. The original arrest came in 2014, and the brothers were found guilty of the charge and sentenced to death in 2018. An appeal was filed on behalf of the brothers by the Center for Legal Aid, but the appeal was denied last week. False blasphemy accusations are levied against Christians increasingly in Pakistan, and there's also no provision in Pakistan's blasphemy law to punish the false accusers, so nothing prevents them from false reporting anyone they just don't like. Pakistan ranks eighth on Open Doors list of the countries where it's most difficult to be a Christian. And as we tell you frequently here at Wretched, please make sure that you are praying continuously for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible The Apostle John wrote a second epistle which warned about false teachers who take advantage of Christian hospitality to spread false doctrine. As you continue to walk in love, be careful to distinguish between truth and error. False teachers have no fellowship with God. Therefore, God's people are to have no fellowship with false teachers. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's tackle the oldies but not so goodies this is wretched radio courtesy of the southern baptist convention in particular rick warren informing the convention that the role of women as a pastor is a secondary issue and he forwarded some new arguments and we need to be equipped to deal with those is there really an ability to give women that title and put just put an adjective in front of it and that means she's not usurping authority Furthermore, did Paul really mean because there is a gift of preaching and a distinctive between an office of preaching, we can let the woman exercise that as long as she's not usurping the lead office. Those are the new arguments. We need to be prepared to respond to those. And don't forget, view of Bible and hermeneutics are in view in this conversation. How we interpret the Bible, it is a big deal. How we revere the Bible, that's really what is at stake in this conversation. New arguments presented, but there are some oldies. They're not goodies, but they have been used in different circles, even in evangelical circles, to make the case that women can be preaching to men. One in particular, this quote is from Beth Moore. I did not surrender to a calling of man when I was 18 years old. I surrendered to a calling of God. It never occurs to me for a second to not fulfill it. I will follow Jesus and Jesus alone all the way home. And I will see his beautiful face and proclaim, worthy is the lamb. Did you hear that argument? God called me to do this. How can you say I can't? God has gifted me to do this. How can you deny me the ability to use this gifting? So it's, it's slightly related to the arguments that were presented 
at the 2022 Southern Baptist Convention. But this is an issue of calling because God is giving me the gifts. Why would he give them to me if I can't exercise them? That's basically the argument. And it is emotive and it is seemingly rational. But the simple answer is you can have those abilities, but because God has determined who gets to play that role, you can't exercise it in those in that capacity. Now, does that mean that a woman can't teach? No, it doesn't. Because in Titus chapter 2, Paul does encourage women to teach other women. The context in particular was in the home, but Paul said, yet yeah, you can do your teaching. So women can exercise that gift. And I think we've made some nice nuanced considerations on the subject of complementarianism by saying that a woman, she can certainly teach women. That is just clear in scripture. It's about having authority over a man. Could she be teaching children? Yes. We can have some tangential arguments about who leads worship, etc. But for the office of the elder, it is clearer Paul defined it as a masculine office. And these other arguments that, hey, God has given me this gift. How don't, don't you want me to use the gift that God has given? It's almost as if we're thwarting God. It's really an emotive argument as opposed to being a biblical argument. But there are some classic arguments that can be made by people that continue to get made. And this is when Greek is important. I don't mind. Not even going to be shamed Faced, shame faced, shame. I'm not going to be ashamed of this. We have two resources at the Wretched Store. Wretched.org. Visit the store. Herman, who? It's it's a primer on how to interpret the Bible, the art and science of interpreting Scripture. We have another resource, a little bit dated, but it hasn't changed. You'll just notice I look a little different, and suits were like way bigger, but. You, you will learn the very basics of Greek in It's Not Greek to Me. You are not going to have to torture yourself memorizing vocables, syntax, rules of Greek grammar. You're going to be introduced to them. You will be simply asked to memorize one thing, and that is the Greek alphabet, so that when somebody in a commentary or when you go to your Strong's Concordance or when you go to a Greek lexicon, you can look up the word and go, oh, that's a different word than that word. Encourage you, Herman who, it's not Greek to me. It, it's, it's not easy sledding, but I, I, I think that you will benefit from it much as we now have to deal with the old and new arguments that are being forwarded about the role of women in the church. Why is Greek suddenly important? In this conversation, because you will see in the Old Testament a number of women who did something that is causing liberal folks to say, aha, uh -huh, there it is right there. There were women in the Old Testament doing that, that were preaching. Who are those women? Anna? That was, she's kind of a between the Old and New Testament, if you will. Anna was prophesying. You, you have in the Old Testament Miriam and Huldah and Deborah. What, what about Junia, Romans 16.7, Phoebe, Romans 16.1, Philip's four daughters acting as a prophet 
in Acts 21.9. And some people would say, see, there it is. Those women were preaching. Hold the phone, Henrietta. They most certainly were not. This is a Greek lesson. The word for prophesying or prophecy is not the same word as teaching. Didasco, didactics, you hear didactics in there? That's the word for teaching. That's different than, is it profitoyo, something like that. You hear the word, I mean, it's so radically different. Profitoyo versus didasco. It's a different thing. Erasing the Greek, liberal folks would say, see those women, Old Testament and New, they were already preaching. So the precedent is made through those historical anecdotes. Now, I grant you, we need to deal with these verses. What was going on there? But we must let the clear interpret the unclear. This is a hermeneutics principle that you'll see in Herman, who available at wretched.org, that you, you look at a verse and you go, all right, that, huh? well, you know, that could... That could mean something different. How do I know what it's really meaning? You go find a clear verse. So here's what we've got for clarity. Paul in 1 Timothy 2 stating, I do not allow a woman to preach or have authority over a man. Now, (laughs) I've actually seen scholars try to unpack what that means. Um, There's nothing to unpack. It's crystal clear. It's a bolo punch verse. It, 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 it's, it's like, thou shalt not murder. Well, let's just think this through a little bit. What did, what did God really mean when he wrote, thou shall not commit murder? You see, the word commit, it's a Hebrew verb that, and you go, Wait, what are you doing? It's a clear verse. And so it is in 1 Timothy 2, it's a clear verse, which is supported by the clear verses in 1 Timothy 3, which talk to men about here are your qualifications. And then it does talk about Guinea. It does talk about women as wives of those offices. Those are just clear verses. We, we ha- and this is why, by the way, this, this is a bibliology issue. When somebody is so willing to override such clarity, um, there's something lurking. It's And it's always this issue that opens the door. And the reason that it gets cracked open, it's not so much because of their position on this issue. It is because of their hermeneutic and their view of the Bible. So now you take a look at verses about this woman prophesied, which is a different word than didasco. You you look at those verses and go, okay, does that mean she should be a pastor? No, it can't. Why? Because those clear verses over there said so. So now I need to figure out what was going on there. What does it mean to prophesy? Because it's a different Greek word than to preach or to teach. That is how we work through Scripture. The analogy of Scripture, the clear interpreting the unclear. And then you can have a conversation and unpack each one of these. One of the one of the shortcomings of our current ability to communicate on the internet is that it's got to be brief. So you just, I just read you the list. Hey, 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 what about Anna, Philip's four daughters, Phoebe, Junia, Priscilla, Mary Magdalene? Well, what about Deborah and Hulda and Miriam? Huh? What about, and it's like, whoa, whoa, you're right. They were, they seem to be doing something similar to, wow, I guess you have a case. When you go look at each one and you take your clear verses, 
you will understand that they were not usurping the office of elder. They were speaking truth, and women most certainly are capable of doing that. And one final note on this subject, it's about time. Can we do better than, you know, some of my best friends are women. <laughs> You'll often hear that in the debate. Hey, look, man, you know, I think real women are, you know, they're gifted. And uh, but but no, with the office of elder, let's maybe make a slight alteration in the way we talk about the differences in genders. If we need to make a correction, it might be in this area where we do indeed esteem and celebrate and enjoy the differences, the distinctions, the complementing between the two genders as opposed to, yeah, women are great, but because they are, aren't they? This is Wretched Radio. Only we had a clip of Dr. Steve Lawson explaining what the Masters Academy International is and perhaps encouraging you to support it. Hey, hey, what's this button? The goal of TMAI is to take the timeless truths and the timeless principles that are found in the Word of God and build those into men in those countries so that they in turn can preach the Word of God and be used by God to plant churches. Talk about providence, Dr. Steve Lawson, commending and encouraging you to support this long vision ministry, equipping pastors to rightly divide the Word of Truth by going to a mini-seminary, we'll call it, in 17 nations around the globe, trained by a Master Seminary graduate. It is brilliant. Please learn more about the Master's Academy International, wretched.org slash pastor. Hey, hey, thank you for tuning in to Wretched Radio today. We certainly appreciate your time. Did you know there is actually something in existence that gives you information on things happening at Wretched? Things like upcoming product launches or details on upcoming seasons of our productions of Wretched Radio, Wretched TV, Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and Breaking Bread. Also, information on job openings here at Wretched. Information on upcoming sales in the Wretched store. What I'm referring to is the monthly Wretched newsletter. If you're not already receiving the Wretched newsletter, you're missing out on all of these things and more. The Wretched Newsletter also contains thorough and in-depth messages on a wide range of theological topics, and that's not all. As a Wretched Newsletter subscriber, you're also eligible for resources that we give away daily here at Wretched. So sign up and don't miss out on any of this stuff by becoming a Wretched Newsletter subscriber by visiting our website at wretched.org, scroll to the bottom of the page, and fill out the form. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. The situation in Ukraine appears to be a long and winding and rather scary road. Tomorrow clubs are still in Ukraine. There are still club leaders there. There are still Christians who are willing to help other Christians with the very basic necessities of life. Would you have the ability to help some of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine to simply receive the bare necessities. I know that Cindy Marty is extremely grateful for your support. There just are really no words to describe the gratitude that we have. Believe me, the children and families in Ukraine are so grateful. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. Tomorrow Club's still alive and well, but dealing with the dangers of Ukraine. If you think that you could support some believers there, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. 
important dates in Christian history. 1910 to 1915. The fundamentals are published and demonstrate the great divide in American Christianity, known as the modernist fundamentalist controversy. Fundamentalists began to set themselves apart from society as a witness for Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And one final note on the SBC convention, perhaps. This is Wretched Radio. You're saying, Friel, you just said you weren't going to talk about the role of women in the church issue anymore. I'm not. But that doesn't mean there weren't other points of interest at the Southern Baptist Convention. Some of those points are quite quiet. It appears the convention whispered about CRT. It just wasn't tackled. It wasn't denounced. It wasn't set outside of the camp as a hermeneutical tool or a sociological assessment tool. That didn't happen, but it was just, that's, that's telling, but it was really a silent speech. There were many issues that really didn't get brought out into the light. The ordination of women, one was another one that, that had more attention, but it wasn't dealt with. But I thought this one resolution was of particular interest. I can't understand why this didn't pass. I can't understand why this wasn't permitted to be voted on. There, there's a political aspect of the SBC conference. There are people who make a decision what hits the floor and what doesn't. So they'll have different committees take a look at the resolutions that are presented by messengers and say, no, this, this, it, it, they, they sort of act, and I'm not being critical here, but they sort of act like the Supreme Court before the legislation is argued in Congress. No, this resolution, it doesn't meet the standard. Therefore, we're not going to allow it to be brought to the floor. This particular resolution was not brought to the floor. And I'd like to read the resolutions to you because I can't understand why the SBC wouldn't vote for this. This, this to me is a bit of a, a no-brainer. This is obvious stuff. The SBC, they decided to denounce the prosperity gospel. Well, that's about 30 years too late. And it's not all that bold of a stroke. It's just, yeah, of course, the prosperity gospel, making promises that God does not offer in the Bible, packing more into the atonement than what is realized now, not yet. That wasn't a bold move. Why didn't they grab this one? This was a resolution on the sacredness of the Southern Baptist pulpit. And to me, Southern Baptists perhaps would do well. And if you're going to be one of those Southern Baptists who continues to vie for conservatism inside of the Southern Baptist Convention, you might want to consider what argument you're making on which subject. Because if you are just going after issues like role of women or CRT, those are skirmishes. And, 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 and there's a lot of emotion surrounding them, and I don't think you're going to make any forward progress. Instead, make it about the deeper issue, because I think role of women in the church is a fruit. The root is the Bible and what our view of it is and what our view is of preaching and what our view is of the character and the nature of God. These are the big things, because if you can encourage people to have a higher view of the Bible and to read it the way that it was intended and the way that it's been understood for 2,000 years, 
you're going to be very slow to hear and accept the liberal arguments that are being made these days. Make it about the big stuff, the sufficiency of the Bible, the clarity of the Bible. It's not a complicated, confused book. There are rules that are generally accepted for us to understand the intention of the original author. Dive down into those issues. And I think that this resolution attempted to do that, and it didn't make it to the floor. Alan Nelson, the IV. Huh. Why would we need to know that Alan Nelson is on an IV? Well, that's the strangest thing I've ever seen. Resolution on the sacredness of the Southern Baptist pulpit. Resolved that the messengers to the SBC convention in Anaheim recognize and appreciate and revere the sacredness of our church's pulpits. Any objections to that? Shouldn't be. Resolved that we call upon Southern Baptist churches to only allow qualified godly men to preach from their pulpits during the Lord's Day gatherings. Should, Should that be a problem? Well, it seems that it is. Because the committee that determined that this resolution wouldn't make it to the floor, they said, and I'm paraphrasing, it has too many qualifications. It's too tight. What in this list is too tight? We maybe just found one. Who can occupy that sacred desk? Resolve number three, these messengers strongly repudiate. As we read these, Ask yourself the question, are these, are these too tight? Are these too onerous? Are these too um, inferred from the Bible, but you can't make a law where there isn't a law? Ask yourself that question. You're on the committee. Resolve that these messengers strongly repudiate all spurious, deceitful, or apathetic methods, practices, or attitudes when it comes to preaching God's word, including, but not limited to, sermon plagiarism. Oh, was that an issue that's too... Onerous for the churches, too limiting and restrictive for churches. By the way, I think it was brought, plagiarism was brought up three times, and it was informed that this is not the place to talk about those issues. Laziness in God's word, uh, in preparation, prayerlessness, that's a biggie. Oh, that's a biggie. And I've, I've committed that crime. You're super busy, you work really hard on preparing the sermon. And then suddenly it's it's Saturday night, and suddenly you go, whoa, 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 I haven't really prayed about this as nearly as much as I need to. Uh, I think it's good that this resolution addresses that. Uh, not all of these things make me go yippy-skippy because I'm doing it perfectly. They, these, these are good and helpful. But are they too limiting? Softening the Lord's position on any one sin or group of sins surrendering to the fear of man and employing any godless ideologies for interpretation of biblical passages. That's a little subtle poke at CRT. Is that why this didn't make it to the floor? Resolve that we implore SBC pastors who are guilty of these offenses to remember God's grace. Hey, you're in Christ. You're forgiven. To rest again, to repent and mortify temptations for worldly popularity and swiftly lay aside any lesser duty detracting from the sacred responsibility of preaching. Too limiting? Resolved. We entreat all SBC pastors to respond to this present culture's continued dismissal of God's word as well as this world's constant pressure to soften and compromise God's word by courageously preaching the full counsel of the scriptures 
more fervently with holy zeal and urgency unto the glory of God, as shewing all gimmickry, totally resisting every temptation to substitute preaching the Bible with anything else. Was it the gimmickry word that was too restricting? Because you see all kinds of shenanigans go on in these typically mega churches because they have a bigger budget to buy better fog machines, put on better light shows, and have more whiz-bangery. Are you hearing anything that shouldn't be affirmed by the SBC? I'm not. Resolved. We urge all SBC pastors with the deepest possible earnestness to take ever more seriously the sacredness of their pulpits. Why didn't that pass? Why didn't that get to the floor? These issues are historically what have made Southern Baptists Southern Baptists. <sighs> Once again, I would suggest to you this, this, this comes as close to hitting the bullseye as any. I'm reminded of a conversation that I had with Daryl Harrison on the issue of CRT. And I have to confess to you, I literally sat back in my chair. We were having lunch. Uh, you'll, by the way, you'll, you'll perhaps be able to see that Breaking Bread one of these days. It's, it's one of our Breaking Bread series. The Phil Johnson one is posted. Daryl Harrison is, is coming at you either via mail or on YouTube or Facebook. And he has become a rather vocal critic of CRT. And I wanted to have a conversation about having conversations because that's the battle cry of CRT. We got to have a conversation so you can understand our story and then realize how racist you are and repent. So he has been a critic of that. And I said, help me to know how do I talk to somebody in the CRT that, that, that's into that Marxist ideology? Uh, what do I say to them? And his answer was, you don't. Wait, what? Aren't we supposed to be like, hey, with the CRT? And he said, you'll never win. You'll just never win. Elevate the conversation and bring it into the Bible and use the Bible as, as the mark and as the standard, as the read to define what is true and what is false. Because if you don't bring it into the Bible itself, you're not going to win because they've got very clever argument. I mean, the, the CRT thing is so clever. Um, hey, there's systemic racism. You know, I don't think they are. See, that just proves systemic racism. Okay, I can't win. So elevate it to the Bible. And I would suggest we do the same thing with these Southern Baptist Convention issues. Elevate it to the Bible. What is our view of the Bible? And maybe even theology proper. What is our view of God? Do we tremble before his word? Do we shake when we realize we are looking at sacred writ? And are we reading the Bible with the respect and with the clarity that it has on subjects like role of women, CRT? Take it out of those realms. Lift it into the realm of the Bible and preaching and view of God. And that is where the battle will be lost or won. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>